The late to the party crew have gathered in a galaxy far, far away to watch the 20 essential episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Join us on our spoiler-filled journey over the next 10 hours of the much-beloved television series. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our late to the party of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, the 20 essential episodes as released by Disney Plus in our preparation for season seven. This week we are talking about season five episodes, um, what is it, 17 through 20. Um, they are episodes Sabotage, The Jedi Who Knew Too Much, To Catch a Jedi, and The Wrong Jedi. And I don't know about you, Matt, but I think we just we tackle these ones as a group because I just can't think I can't I can't talk about one without talking about the others. Absolutely. This is basically like a mini movie, just like how this everything just flowed right into each other. And uh, to be honest, once I started watching them, I couldn't stop. So it's pretty much just one big episode for me in any case, because, wow, like this what a way to end this watch and like that's what a way to and the series at that point like i think they hit it out of the park that's that's crazy to me you know what i mean that this gets canceled like immediately after this like had this you know we've got two seasons right a netflix season and then a, a disney plus season that come after this but had i watched this and then found out that nothing else was coming i mean one how fitting like it really does feel like a perfect ending um, but also like how incredibly frustrating. <laughs> oh yeah. I like totally understand now, like back during rebels when they first brought up, like Ahsoka was coming back. Like all the people that I knew that watched clone wars were like super excited. And so now I understand why they got super excited about like seeing her come back in the, in a new, uh, animated series because yeah, by the end of this, uh, I'm, I'm a huge Ahsoka fan. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So I just, let's just, we'll throw out there briefly what these episodes are about. And then uh, I just want to talk about the implications of this in general and of this oh, yeah. on Star Wars yep. and on this on Anakin's story. Oh, yes. Um, so basically, uh, there's an attack on the Jedi Temple, and Ahsoka and Anakin, for whatever reason, um, are asked to be the impartial people involved in, in figuring out this crime. Right. Throughout this process, Ahsoka is framed for the murder of the person who was actually behind the bombing mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, goes on trial for that. And ultimately, at the end, um, is unable to accept back her position in the Jedi Order. Like she chooses not to go because that was that was the implication of doing this, right? Is that, you know, she was expelled from the Jedi Order. She had committed an act of treason on the Jedi. They had they were receiving a ton of political pressure from, you know, the the council uh, or the, you know, the Senate that um, you know, that because of all the people involved that this would need to be a military and a political matter as compared to just being an internal ordeal. Um and it's just every last bit of it is astounding, right? Yeah. Just the the arrogance of the Jedi, the the way it's so detailedly set up, the I you know just the ideas that 
Star Wars, the not the Clone Wars, but you know, the prequels in general really want you to be thinking like, have the Jedi become the bad guys? Are they warmongers? You know, are their allegiances misaligned? Like these four episodes does all that. That like, you know, obviously like you want to be there in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin is, you know, all upset. Right. Uh, but you just don't have. And I feel like watching this just adds so much to his story. Yeah, I think I mentioned this in like our last episode, but I thought it was like really kind of astounding how they've been able to like retroactively add so much to Revenge of the Sith. Like add so much context, uh, add more motivation to everything that happens. Um it was really I thought it was really cool that they're like they're doing this and yeah, I think this these last uh four episodes really drives a point home with like like kinda like how like masterful uh the team was on to uh tying everything in into the prequel trilogy. And I think even if you haven't even if you like never watched like the prequel uh Revenge of the Sith for whatever reason, like you decide you're like you're getting into Star Wars um and so and you decide to watch this before revenge of the sith uh like i think like you like for like me and you james like we kind of know what happens it's like we watch the movie beforehand like we know anakin falls on the dark side we know turns out palpatine turns out to be like the the leader of the sith etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think like you could really like you mentioned see all the doubts and the corruption and like the kind of like the darkening of like the old of the old republic uh in these last few episodes like you like you mentioned the the jedi like are they warmongers are are they are they on the wrong side but also you kind of like look at the republic that's supposed to be like this bastion of uh civilization and and fairness and government and uh even if you don't know that palpatine's like the emperor down the line you could see how kind of corrupt said it is and how they're trying to like get a scapegoat because it's wartime and you got to have an enemy to blame things on to keep morale up. Well, uh, and it's, yeah. and it's not, it's, and it's not just in their storyline and it's not just in the, the excellent presence of Tarkin who I think oh, this yeah. is the first time we've seen in our 20 episodes, but I was like, Oh yes. boy, that guy looks familiar. Yep. Um, but it's it's in everything they're doing stylistically, the way the way the prison looks, the way um, the music is playing, like it's just laying on the the whole empire bit super thick. You know what I mean? And it like I think we've seen the transition almost, you know, to that that architecture. You know what I mean? The sort of original series style we're used to begin to happen over the Clone Wars, which I think is super neat. You know, yeah. the only other time I think we've seen that cool of a mashup of it is Rogue One, you know, mm -hmm. which of course happens after this, like, you know, timeline wise. So I wonder right. if they took some inspiration there. Um, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to add on like like the whole entire prison uh, area was very reminiscent. <clears throat> Party. It was very reminiscent of the detention level from a, a New Hope on the Death Star. Um just the whole entire like sweeping shots of like the clone troopers and of like the the war machines just patrolling and just moving around uh, the prison area and all the buildings kind of like showing like how it's pretty much become like Coruscant is like a military state now. Um, it's very disturbing 
in a way and kind of like if you kind of especially if you draw parallels to uh the real world um but like you'd like take a look at this imagery here and you and like you said you see how the republic turned into the empire absolutely i i almost wish you know when we talk about like in Star Wars, there are so many like opinions about how you should watch Star Wars, right? Do you watch it in, you know, uh, release order? Do you watch it in intended order, which is chronological order? Do you do the machete cut? I almost wish I could take some of these episodes and say like, watch these, you know, you do like Attack of the Clones, a couple of episodes from Clone Wars, Revenge of the Sith, you know, in your, in your cut. Cause it's just, it just adds so much. You know what I mean? Having Anakin have to go through, you know, what's not not a betrayal by Ahsoka, you know, and you can tell he feels that, you know, but what is clearly a true betrayal of the Jedi Order. It doesn't feel like something, you know, even though for all we know, this is something that's, you know, seeded by Palpatine or something like that. Um, but it doesn't feel like that. This feels like a genuine reason why you could feel that the Jedi are the evil people in this fight, that they're on the wrong side of history here. And that moment right at the end when, you know, when Anakin is like, I know, you know, more than you think, more than anyone, what it would mean to walk away, you know, wanting to walk away. And the, the fact that, you know, Ahsoka turns around and says, you know, like, I know, and there's that, you know, that you know, very Star Wars line. But um, yeah, there's just so much knowing, like, obviously, clearly, she understands Anakin's love for Padme and the relationship that they have. And like, you know, we've only watched 20 episodes. So like, we didn't get to see if maybe there's a reason why she knows that, you know, like a funny right. episode where she caught them, you know, caught them sneaking a kiss or something. Um, but you know, it just this episode, these episodes just stand alone even so well to project that message. And I was just, I was just blown away. I feel like this is like the the maybe the biggest turnaround in Star Wars ever because think about how where this started like that movie is so lackluster the first couple episodes we watched in this series were okay yeah. you know what i mean they were fun but they felt like tv you know right. um and this just feels so impactful and so important um and it's neat getting to see every little measure of that and and where these characters have gone. You know what I mean? We see Anakin's growth. We get to see growth. We get to see Ventress again, which is awesome. Um, and to see how she's changed in a bounty hunter and how she feels, you know, connected. I, I'm going to be honest, the, you know, having the, the other young Padawan, what, what was her name? Barris. Um, Barris. I, Matt, I, I don't know about you. I mean, other than figuring it out through the plot of the episode, I, I was blown away. You know, that the, that girl we met who was so balanced with that other wonderful Jedi as a master, like Yeah. I feel like I feel like there might have been some stuff missing. Uh although I don't know. I, I guess I've it really wants me to watch the rest of the series now because I'm wondering if like there was other episodes that kind of hinted at what was uh, what would happen um it's funny because i went to look back at the episodes after watching the last four and uh during one of the early scenes um when anakin and uh 
is like in Ahsoka, I think, are investigating the crime scene. Uh, you see Barris like walk by, and like it's a very like blanket you miss it, but she kind of like glances at them and just kind of like tries to take a measure of them, and then like quickly runs off. And so that oh, was a really cool bit. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and going back a bit, uh, I wanted to go back to like I'm so glad you brought up the whole, like the last moment uh, between Ahsoka and Atticon. Um because it, it really puts like Anakin's fall into so much of greater context. Like, like, you can't, like you can't help but wonder, like, could Anakin's fall be relate like somewhat driven by um what happened to him in Ahsoka, like him experiencing uh, like like the Jedi um reject uh probably his closest uh companion in the order like outside of like obi-wan um and just yeah and like i love like how ahsoka says like i know and you kind of help we can't help but wonder like the is part of the reason ahsoka left was for anakin's sake because she realized like this like in this situation anakin um was put into a very difficult spot and i and i i i could bet that she understands that Anakin is very emotional and gets very hot tempered so i wonder if ahsoka felt like well if i'm around there's going to be more stuff like this and that's only going to hurt Anakin in the end so maybe it's for the best if i leave uh well, so it's just so yeah it's just so cool to see like this master and apprentice relationship uh and it's, oh, it, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't love it enough. <laughs> they, and they make, they make some really incredibly good choices. Uh, but just something subtle that I really liked that, you know, like probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people watching, but the fact that like Yoda says that they're not unanimous, though the decision has been made, but they never go out of the way to tell you who. Right. Yeah. So like we're led to believe that like Obi-Wan's there and it's probably we're not even led to believe. Like we speculate probably, or at least I did, that it would be Obi-Wan, but by leaving it ambiguous, we feel what Ahsoka feels, right? Like any one of those people that we think we know that we think would be better than this, whether that's Yoda, whether that's Obi-Wan, I mean, really probably only those two in my mind, but, yeah. um, you know, we also didn't get, you know, you get to know the other Jedi a bit more right. over the series outside of the 20 episodes we've watched. Um, you know, and that it really does feel so isolating, right? The courtroom scene, again, it feels incredibly isolating. Um, you know, just being like so small on that whole thing, the screen only showed like her, the victim, so that everybody could watch her, right? right? As compared to showing Padme or Tarkin, you know, giving their remarks. Like it just, they just did a lot of really masterful things here. Um, you know, what? I guess, oh, oh God, go, go. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to jump, I was going to jump off this to some fun stuff. So if you had something like, okay, well, sort of Bridget. I'm sort of bridging that uh, one little detail that I love uh, that's also really fun. I love that they recreated uh, or did a homage to the, the famous scene from The Fugitive in the sewer where Ahsoka's like, at the edge and like Anakin tries to talk her down and like Ahsoka tries to uh, 
like explain to Anakin that uh, she's innocent, and Anakin's like, "Okay, we'll just come on in, and we'll figure this out." And then Ahsoka's like, "No," and then uh, leaps off the leaps out of the pipe down into like the other course and underground. Like as soon as they went into the sewers, like, oh man, they're going to do the fugitive scene, aren't they? <laughs> it was like, do the fugitive scene, do the fugitive scene. And when they got to it, I was like, yes, I literally uh, like fist pumped at that moment. It was like, I knew, uh, like I, I had a feeling it was going to come because I, I know like Filoni and like that whole entire team, like they're big movie buffs and they love to do homages to classic cinema or like famous pop culture cinema. Uh, and so that was a really, fun detail and really cool to see well then well then you'll love so in um the first episode when they're doing the whole recreation of the the crime scene Mm -hmm. um i love it's all csi like and the um the guys uh the the droid's name rousseau is um it alludes to the character from csi miami oh my god i didn't Um, even (laughs) i didn't even pick that up that's awesome Well, and it's awesome. They're walking around the whole thing. They're doing the whole CSI thing. And I'm laughing. And then I'm like, I lose it when I hear the guy's name. Because it's like, <laughs> I'm like, that's totally, everybody knows they're in on that. Yeah. Um, gosh, there were just, there are just so many good things in there. Um, I think, do all of these share a name with Alfred Hitchcock movies? Um, really? The, well, the first one, Sabotage, is an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Uh, the man who knew too much. Yeah, is an Alfred Hitchcock movie, right? So the Jedi who knew too much. Um, let's see. To catch a Jedi. Uh, let me hear. Let me like what? To, to Hitchcock's a... list. List of to catch a thief. Yep. To catch a thief. Yeah. And then the last one is. It's it's not going to be Hitchcock. Yes, it is. The wrong man. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. Uh. They love their cinema. <laughs> so that's yeah, wow. that's really cool. I mean it, it's a Star Wars tradition. Like the like Star that's Wars it. loves to uh do nods to uh the their inspirations. I mean Lucas obviously does it with his films. Like they um uh, you see in the even the new trilogy as well. Um so I think it it's a really cool thing that it does is like really where it's on their sleeve like what they love. So it oh that's awesome (laughs) so other fun and interesting notes um this is the only episode in our entire rewatch that had padme in it yes is interesting um because you'd think like you know and maybe maybe of course in the episodes we missed um you know there was uh more padme stuff but obviously you'd think like the clone wars series would be a great time to also flesh that out right and kind of help with some of the difficulty that obviously the other two movies have with Anakin and Padme's relationship and, you know, their chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice maybe in just, you know, that obviously the strongest relationship and bonds in this show don't focus on that. Um, right. and maybe that's why we don't have that many things picked. Um, the other thing I noticed is there's really just not enough two lightsaber fighting in the movies (laughs) right every time i see it here in the clone wars i'm like man four lightsabers going at it you know that's that's what i want (laughs) just if you know if uh, any notes i can send to lucasfilm for uh 
you know, whatever their high order movies are going to be. Just every Jedi gets two lightsabers. Every Sith gets two lightsabers. There should be a minimum four lightsabers. (laughs) On screen all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's very interesting that they decide to really do a lot more with, I guess, two dual wielding lightsabers. I mean, like, I know, like, the double bladed saber was huge when the Phantom Menace uh, came out. So I wonder if it's partially they decided the next logical step was like, okay, instead of a double sided, how about if we have two lightsabers going on? I think it also, yeah. I was going to say, I think it also just has to do, I, I think you see it more lit as time goes on in the series the animation just improved so much yeah. and it looks so beautiful by the end like what a great way to show it off yeah yeah the fight between barris and anakin <sighs> that was really cool oh um, it looked awesome yeah uh, but yeah. even all the even the, the whole escape with ahsoka and her using the two lightsabers to you know knock off all the stun blades although set your guns to stun made me laugh of course also being a star <laughs> trek fan um you know, her knocking off all the all the blades and then ah, it's just so so good. I, I also like Anakin's we'll jump back to that when Anakin finds out, you know, um like when he tells her you should have gotten rid of them, almost as if like, how could you be so dumb? Like what a bad plan. As if he's <laughs> like as if he's thought maybe or run a couple of scenarios in the back of his head, like, what if things were to go wrong for me? What would I do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I so I guess let's let's finish this all up, Matt. What right. do you think of this experience? These twenty episodes from start to finish, uh, you know how, how? What do you think? How do you think Disney? Did Disney do a good job picking them? Do you feel like they give a, you a good overall idea of the series? Would you watch more? Um, would you recommend this list to others? Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, this was a an ama- a really fun, fantastic experience. I'm glad to have done this with you, James. Um, as for like the list itself, I thought it was an excellently curated list. I think it, it hit like uh, a lot of the major points in the series. Uh, it's definitely made me want to go back and check out the other episodes uh, just to see uh, what I missed and see if there's like any more little juicy um, story or bits that I might have missed in a skipped episode. Uh, I think this was uh, really well done. I, I I feel like I have a good understanding of the Clone Wars series and the characters in it, um, and kind of like what's leading up to uh, season seven. It's a little interesting that they didn't do they the, the list didn't have anything from season six, like the Netflix series. I wonder if it, there was some kind of reasoning for that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel ready for checking out season seven and uh, I would highly recommend it uh, for anyone that wants to check out the Clone Wars. Um, I know the early episodes were a little tough. I wonder if it's uh, sim- something similar throughout the rest of the early seasons, but definitely once like that list gets into the later seasons, the later episodes, um, it, it really shows off the shine of the series and really shows why uh, people loved it so much. And I, I totally am on board now with all the, the Clone Wars fans. It's like, yeah, this was this show was something special. I, I'm with you. I, I think I was blown away mostly by just how how much the series improved over time. Like, yes. you know, 
that original movie is not good. <laughs> you know, I watched the first like two or three episodes before doing this list. And I just, I, you know, I just never came back mm. um, without having to do this. You know, and then the first episode or two we watched were okay. Um, but I'm, by the time we were in season, I think we we only watched like one episode from season one and one episode from season two or whatever. Yeah, by the time we were in season three. Yeah. By the time, yeah, by the time we were in season three, I was captivated. The stories were interesting. The characters were so fleshed out. The animation had become really good, you know, and it just continued to improve. You know, someone made the joke that Dave Filoni is kind of like the greatest Star Wars turnaround of all time. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. to come from being like not very good at this to like a master storyteller. And like, I'm almost sad retroactively for kind of the old Lucasfilm. Um just because I wonder if there'll be an opportunity to grow a storyteller like that, you know, that mm. the opportunity that Dave had by getting to helm the Clone Wars and clearly getting to learn the art of good storytelling as he went and improve upon, honestly, the original work of such a great creator. Um, you know, Lucasfilm is very interested in obviously having outside people come in and do great work which is awesome obviously the mandalorian is incredible you know i love the last jedi i really like the force awakens like people have come in and put a really good mark on it but you know will will lucasfilm will lucasfilm at disney ever have that sort of homegrown talent again i don't know yeah i feel like yeah filoni he was kind of like the last of uh last breed of the people that worked directly with George himself. Uh, like yeah. Filoni was, I think was pretty much uh, Lucas's protege in a sense. Uh, and they worked really closely on the clone wars. And um, I know Filoni's like has a piece in a lot of the other star Wars media going on. I know he's like an executive producer for the Mandalorian. So maybe uh, I'm hoping that even if someone doesn't really get to work with, Lucas himself for projects, maybe if working with uh, Dave Filoni, um, some of that will rub off and we'll still get the sense of a good homegrown uh, Lucasfilm talent, uh, just and the ability to tell a story uh, like the Clone Wars was. Uh, so it, it's, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I don't think Filoni's going anywhere anytime soon. So I think. Uh, Star Wars uh, television and whatnot. Uh, I think they're in good hands at the moment and I'm excited to see what comes next. Absolutely, man. I'm going to try to marathon all these episodes I didn't watch and then I'm going to hopefully jump into the new seasons. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Well, Matt, thank you very much for joining me. This was, this was wonderful. I'm super happy with how this turned out. Yes. Um, I'm, so glad we got to do this. I'm glad you uh, convinced me to do this because I was—I'll be honest—I was a little hesitant at first, uh, but I'm glad you got—you uh, got me on board, and uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, 
What are we going to do next for late to the party? <laughs> I don't know. Non-pro listeners, friends of the show, you guys, uh, you love late to the party. You're obviously love late to the party because otherwise you wouldn't be listening. I understand you're fans of Matt and myself, but put that aside for a moment. Tell us what you think we should do next. There's lots of new stuff coming out. What did we miss when it was popular that we should be watching now? Uh, you know. Anything, anything good. It could be traumatizing. It could be wonderful. It could be brilliant. Um, you know, it, it could be bad too. Who knows? <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.